In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have three people in the studio tonight. I have with me Eric the Artist. I'm Batman. I could be, actually, now. <laughs> I have with me Gary the Stud. I can be Superman. <laughs> and I'm Bob Christman, your host, better known as Wonder Woman. <laughs> I was wondering if that's what you were going to say. Well, it's better than Aquaman. Well, I can't yeah. pull off Aquaman, not now. <laughs> you can pull I might have well, I might have, uh, ew. I might have been pull off the the old nineteen sixties <laughs> version, but I cannot do Jason Momoa. And already we've taken a dark turn. <sighs> dark turn. Dark turn. Hey, you started it. I did start it. Okay, so we have lots of things to talk about tonight that, that we want to discuss. Name of our podcast should just be. We started we'll, it. Stay on target and dark turns. <laughs> so we have lots of things to talk about with you tonight, and we have several subjects. So we're going to talk with you about the glass trailer. The second trailer came out about that. Woo-hoo! We're going to talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse trailer that came out this past week or so. Yeah. We're going to talk about the rumors surrounding Henry Cavill as Superman. Yippee! And, oh, wait, the, no. <laughs> and the potentiality that WB may be picking up on that story as well. And then finally, we're going to talk about Mark Hamill and his discussion about Star Wars Episode Nine. And after all that said and done, after our commercial break, we are going to talk about the Season 1, Episode 1, Star Wars Resistance. It's we finally here. We start a new show. New show. Oh, I'm kind shit. of excited about it. Third third show for this podcast, right? Gary's over the top. Yeah, this would be the third show. So we've covered the Clone Wars, we've covered Star Wars Rebels, and now we're on to Star That's Wars right, Resistance. If you go back into the archives, you can listen to all the old That's right. things. All the old archives. Okay, so let's get this party started. So we want to talk about Glass Trailer 2. Now, I've got to be honest here. I know nothing about any of this stuff. Eric's like, we should talk about this. I'm like, great. I have yeah, we, no idea what we, we we're talking about. something that Bob knows nothing about. I know nothing about it. So I'm going to let these guys kind of take it away because I really am just kind of in the dark about it all. I guess I'm looking through the glass at this. Oh. 
Ha, thank you. That's my only quim for the whole thing. So, uh, Eric and Gary, I'll, I'll let you guys kind of take this away in your thoughts on the trailer for Glass. What well, do you guys think of this? Right, ladies and gentlemen, if you were a fan of Unbreakable and then a fan of Split, two other movies in the M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong universe, <laughs> we are getting a sequel to connect them both. It is Glass. What a uh, twist. We, we, what a twist. Um, <laughs> The original Unbreakable, as we all know, came back out in the 90s. It was about Bruce Willis discovering he was a superhero and was kind of an anti-superhero movie in that it was extremely slow and dramatic, And but it had a huge cult fan base. And then two years ago, I think it was, two summers ago, Split came out. Maybe it was just last summer. Split came out with James McAvoy playing a character who had multiple personalities and one of which turned out to be an actual monster that could do inhuman things mm. and the twist at the end of that one was that you saw bruce willis uh, spoiler alert <laughs> if you haven't seen these movies well you i hope saw, you've seen them by now but yeah. you saw bruce willis sitting at a counter in a diner and you realized that this was connected to unbreakable which had come out nearly 20 years before and we were getting a combined universe by m night Shyamalan. and here we are now just this summer at san diego comic-con they released the first trailer for glass which if you know, if you're in the know, the uh, that's Elijah Price. That's his name. Yeah. Elijah Price, played by Samuel Jackson, his nickname was Mr. Glass because he has such fragile bones and he has that bone density disease. So the trailer kind of reveals more about what we saw in the first one, which is that it looks like the majority of the movie is going to take place in an insane asylum mm-hmm. where all three of these people have been committed because... Well, Samuel Jackson years ago, because he it was determined, you know, at the end of Unbreakable, he was arrested for his crimes. And more recently, obviously, James McAvoy's character the with the multiple personalities, because he's caught because of the crimes he committed. But for some reason also, Bruce Willis is thrown in there. So we're going to probably learn what he, probably his vigilanteism gets him arrested. Probably. And with all three of them convinced that they are, well, super beings of some sort or, or almost comic booky like, they're considered insane and they're being studied. So it, the trailers themselves look pretty darn cool. And like most mm-hmm. trailers, if you don't want to know some of the cool scenes that are going to happen or try and, that you could possibly figure out the way the plot's going to go, don't watch them because right. this is going to give you a lot. But I watched it and I'm fine with that and I'm looking forward greatly to the movie. I think, I think it's going to be really cool and fans of Unbreakable and fans of Split I think are going to get a really neat third movie and it looks like Sam Jackson's going to rock it out. Gary, what do you think? Want me to tell you my, my opinion of what I saw in the... Th- yes. Oh, you, sure, you're, well, you were mentioning an opinion earlier, and I think you, you I, have an you idea. Think I, you got, I got it, do you think? I don't know, but it's interesting. <clears throat> it's an interesting idea. Well, they, they're from the trailer, they're uh, putting it as Mr. Glass and the Beast teaming together to go against Bruce Willis's uh, Unbreakable. Yes. He even uses the line, this is the villains teaming up. Right. And I honestly think that the doctor that's been studying them is the mastermind behind the whole thing to get the, the three of them to fight each other. And that's where the twist is, is she's got her powers over all three of them. That would be really interesting. I, I actually, like, as I was watching the show, I was thinking a different way, like almost like Gary, but a little bit different. I'm almost wondering if all three of them are the villains and she's the hero in, in the long run, right? So, like, the next movie maybe flips the whole scene right. around where all three of them are the villain and she ends up being the hero who has to stop all three of them, well, which I, would be an interesting twist too, I think. Well, I, that's, that's what I'm thinking is they're making Bruce Willis to be a, a baddie, but he's actually going to be teaming up with the three of them to, or the two of them to go against her. 
is, yeah. what, is what I'm thinking. That'd be interesting. I mean, that's I would never expect that, you know, because Bruce Willis has been the whole mythology of the Unbreakable Universe is that he's a good guy. That right. he was the opposite of Mr. Glass. Mr. Glass was Elijah Price, born with a bone density disease. He his entire life was made fun of. He ended up becoming a he studied and was a genius, and he went looking for the opposite of him, which he believed to be superheroes. That they right. were that, that somewhere in the past, the story of comic books were like any other mythology fable. They were based upon someone somewhere that it got exaggerated and tweaked over time and turned into spandex and flying and all that. <laughs> and what he believed was no, there are just people out there who are stronger and better and purer and good people who have the ability to save others. But it goes beyond human. And that's according to the mythology, that's Bruce Willis. He is the protector. He even there's even a whole symbolism of the fact that he is a security guard as his job. He works mm -hmm. at a college campus. He's the security guard around the the sports facilities. He watches people going in and out during the games. And it's determined that he he thinks it's intuition, but he's actually got the ability that when he touches people, he can see bad things they've done. Okay. But he has to touch them to do it. And another great little detail that they did was he he has on his back security. So it's almost like that's his superhero name is security. That's, okay. you know, the way by the end, his raincoat flaps like a cape. I mean, he looks like kind of this right. weird hero thing. But when he does these, when he touches people and you see his visions, they're always from the point of view of a security camera. Okay. An upper corner, aim down shot. And it's just like this neat little detail. It's like he almost sees the security camera footage of people's lives and the, the crimes they commit. So with that much setting him up to be the good guy who sees crimes and stops them, I don't know how they would flip that mythology and make him a third bad guy. It'd be interesting if they they, they, they well, need something to make it work. Well, that, that's Bob's theory is that they're going to right, be bad. Right, right. Okay, right. You're saying the theory is that she's the ultimate bad guy. The big bad. Okay. Yeah, that's my theory. Not yeah. knowing much coming right, into this. Right, And that's, I could, yours I could see happening, uh, the twist being that she has some sort of abilities at the end. Because the end. it looks like the, like the beast is going to go after her and... He, he like falls down, <laughs> like like she can turn him off. I wonder. So, so the one guy's powers the beast. The other guy's powers the ability to see things, right? Yes. What's Samuel L. Jackson's power? His, he's just he's a genius. Okay, so he's just and, super and what, smart. Th there's a thing in there. There's almost a, like a Lex yeah, Luthor type. You see the older lady in there. It's his mother. Mm -hmm. She was the one who got him started with the comic books and everything, and was you know protective okay. of her son. And even though he became a, a person who caused accidents and all this, he was a genius, and she okay. always admired him for his genius and that's why there's lines in there about how you think you can hold him but you can't he can outthink you all he can outplot right. and plan you all and have you running in circles because that's what he's good at is he's the he's a villainous mastermind but with the weak body you okay know? so that's how he was kind of bruce willis's opposite bruce willis wasn't a super intelligent guy he was more of the brute force but he was a hero okay and all the there was just a lot that i thought m knight did with that with the mythology and with turning it into like a real world thing. Mm -hmm. And the pacing of it is very slow. I admit that. Like first time I saw Unbreakable, we're like, wow, well, I'll guarantee you this, this movie does not have a car chase in it. Cause it was, it's a very slow, very cinematic, very dramatic movie. Right. But by the end, when you look through at all the little things he thought through with bringing the mythology into real life, I love it. I think it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite movies. So, and split was much more, it had more action to it. It definitely was up. It still was the, Typical M. Night Shyamalan talky, you know, right. lots of rules, lots of, you know, mythology to dig through. But it, it definitely had more going on. It was quicker. And this one looks like, I mean, at least the way it's edited together for the trailer, and we all know how accurate those usually are, it looks 
Like there's a lot happening. So I'm, I'm going to be in the seat for it. But that's, you know, I'm a fan from a long time ago. I was going to say, so you definitely would be in the theater oh, yeah. to go see it. Gary, what about you? Do you think you go to the theater to see it? Or yeah, this, this will probably be the second M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan. Ding Dong movie I actually go watch in the theater. What was the first one you saw? The Sixth Sense. Okay. So not being a huge M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong fan, I just don't see myself going to theater. But you know what? You guys have piqued my interest that I might download and watch them at some point. You should in time watch the old movies because yeah. they're both good in their own right. Just like mm-hmm. I said, if you go in knowing that Unbreakable is slow, slower. It's too bad you know the, all the tricks and twists because it really did was nice and was pretty cool. And then Split is more of a. It was supposed to be a horror movie, wasn't it? It was right. rated R, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't know why because it wasn't really that violent or scary. No. Just the with the girls and stuff. I yeah. Guess. It was. It was pushed towards more of being a horror movie okay. with you know, his supernatural elements. And you're never sure if it was supernatural. Right. I mean, and you had no idea it was connected to Unbreakable. It really seemed like it was just another movie of his. Right. And then the connection and the whole came group, at the very group end. universe came at the very end, just changed, it flipped the script. And you're kind of like, oh my God, this is a superhero movie. <laughs> so it's almost kind of like when Samuel showed up for the first time in, in yeah. Avengers and it like, you're like, oh my gosh, we're doing the Avengers initiative yeah. now. One of the best parts of the campaign, which you didn't realize, was they came out with posters for Split that was... James McAvoy's face and it was all like there were cracks like it was broken Mm -hmm. glass but it was half a face and the broken glass but when you see and I think they put posters out that sometimes showed one half the face one time showed the other when you brought them together the cracks came down almost like a Batman mask around his face and you would have had no you didn't pick up on it you know you never would have guessed it so there was neat little things they were doing in the marketing and stuff for the movie that you only figured out much later so that's why, I mean, people give M. Night a bad rap because he did go through that ego period and he mm. did Lady in the Water and The Happening and things that just didn't work. And then he did the, I, I never was a fan of it, but the atrocious, apparently, Airbender, last Airbender movie. Yeah. And, you know, he has a tendency to write. Even The Village, I was like, mm. Yeah. So I, know, I actually, I enjoyed The, the village. village. It was okay. It wasn't his top notch stuff, but. It was too predictable. Yeah. <laughs> he, he seemed to get into kind of a rut and he needed to work his way out of it, but. He came out with that one a couple of years ago about the kids going to see the grandparents. And apparently that one was, I never saw oh, really? it, but that was apparently, that was like his starting to come back type movie is okay. that did really well. And then Split came out and everyone's like, oh, it's getting even better. And then the twist came out and connected to Unbreakable and people got really excited. So, you know, like I said, I for one, I'm in the seats. Okay. So I want to move on to our next topic, which, you know, I, is kind of interesting. I wanted to talk about. The trailer for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, it's the second trailer, second official trailer, dropping this week in Marvel Land, and I just thought this trailer was really interesting. I mean, I watched it the other day online, I think it was on Facebook that I happened to like see it happening, and I was just like, this is an interesting trailer, and I just decided we should talk about it because, it's, because of everything that's going on in it. What, what do you guys think of into the Spider-Verse. I mean, like, I have my own points, and I'll give those in a second, but what, what do you guys think of this movie? I mean... It's a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> Which means Gary's out. <laughs> this one doesn't, like, this doesn't pique your interest more than, say, the la- latest Spider-Man movies. I mean, I know you're not a huge Spider-Man fan. Like, I totally get that. Is this better or worse than the live-action Spider-Mans that we've seen? I don't know until I see it. Okay. It's, it's, it, it, You're it, skeptical as yeah. usual. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Eric, what did you think of this trailer? Okay. On paper, it's a crazy concept. 
Right. We are going to, yeah, we've got Spider-Man movies coming out. We've got Spider-Man now with in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe shared with Sony. And we've got this actor playing it. We finally kind of got a handle on it where people are liking the character right. and liking the movies. Let's come out with an animated one that completely is aimed towards the comic book fans. Right. It, it appeals heavily to people who know the comic book lore. Right. But we'll make at least one version of the Spider-Man pretty clearly the Tobey Maguire-ish Spider-Man from that universe. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a movie about Spider-Man and alternate universe Spider-Man's meeting up in an animated form. It's like, if I was sitting in a meeting with this, I'd be like, what, stop. Why would we want to do that? We're, we got, yeah. we got, Who in their right mind would do this? Yeah, we've got Spider-Man in, in the movies with Marvel, and he's doing great. Let's, let's simplify this. Let's keep it going, you know? We'll come out with Homecoming. Come out with Far From Home. Let's do our own trilogy and keep it simple. But no, you know, we got Venom that came out, and now we got this. But that being said, the trailer works for me. Mm-hmm. Purely on a comic book level, ignoring the movies. Right. This is almost like, it's almost to me like a Teen Titans Go movie. <laughs> Thank you. That's what that, I was thinking that too. That works outside of the DC universe. This is almost like its own thing that works outside of the Marvel universe. And if you're a fan of the comics, you're going to enjoy it. So I'm highly interested. I'm actually, the one thing that's like got my, my piqued my interest in this is the fact that they are throwing some of the weird stuff of the Marvel Universe in it. You know, and I've always said there's weird people that they can't do in live-action Marvel movies. Like, come on, MODOK is never going to end up in a live-action Marvel movie. That's just not a realistic thing. Spider-Ham is right. not going to end up in a live-action Spider-Man movie. I mean, we're just being realistic. But to put him in an animated feature like this, that quite honestly seems like it's kind of making fun of itself. It is. And it's having definitely poking self- fun at the Spider-Man universe. and It's very self-referential. But but at the same time, Bob, if you can put Howard the Duck in the movies. <laughs> well, yeah, I know Spider-Man. what you're saying. You could. i just saying that the thing is, I don't see Disney doing right. it. That's Howard the, the thing. Duck was a funny tagline. Right. Spider-Ham looks like he's a major part of this film's right. plot yeah. line and interacting with other characters. So to me, that's a, that's a risk. But in animation... You kind of let go of those right. unrealisms. It works, and you can you can say, well, that's just an animated thing, you know. Right. That I I, I actually kind of agree with you, Eric, about the idea that they're going to have to be careful in somehow separating this from the MCU, making oh, sure that they're going to make an advance. They're going to make a joke you know reference. I mean? they're I'm gonna, sure they're, they're going to joke yeah. some something with the level of humor I saw in this trailer. Yeah. There's going to be a joke about ashes falling or something, or a snapping like, of the finger, snapping or of the finger. There's going to yeah. be references. I guarantee it. And I think that's okay. You know, as long as you're doing that and, and like you said it was funny because i was thinking the same thing and i was going to say the same thing and he beat me to it sorry that this no no that's okay that this is very much the teen titans go of the marvel universe and it worked i mean dc made a ton of money off of teen titans go and quite honestly think kind of created part of a following with a group of kids who otherwise may not have cared about dc right. characters went to the theaters, got hooked on that, jumped into the new TV show and are kind of into it. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering... And then they're going to go watch Titans and be like, this is Yeah, dark. like, that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> but like this one, I'm wondering if, if there's a... I'm hoping there's a cartoon for Spider-Man and then Spider-Verse going to follow up on that at some point. And maybe that's a thing that could jump people back into Spider-Man and And let's face it, they are hitting on other characters. I saw Fisk in there, Kingpin. I definitely saw Scorpion and the Lizard. Right. I don't know who else they're going to drop in, but... Well, let's go through all the Spider-Mans that they had there. Well, they they had the Miles Morales Spider-Man. I don't know who his major villain is. No, no, no. The the, the different Spider-Man. The different Spider-Man. So there's, there's Miles Morales. There's a regular Peter Parker. Yep. There's Spider-Ham, right. there's Spider-Gwen, yep. and there was Spider-Man Noir. Right. 
were the five I at least started with. Right. And they seem to be the main ones in the trailer, but I have a feeling you're going to see others. Oh, I think they showed a little bit of manga Spider-Man Ninja. Uh, Thank you. That's what what Spider-Ninja. Yeah. Yeah, I think they showed it. And that was done by Scotty Young. I think did the illustration for that work. So I wonder if they're going to, I'd be very interested in seeing if they kind of pay tribute to his art style with Mm -hmm. that. Because clearly the art style has changed for all these characters. It looked like from the little bit we saw that they were going to like give her the little twinkly eye thing, you know, and things they do in anime that that make that stuff. I mean, personally, I've always liked the Miles Morales Spider-Man. I know not everybody's a big fan of it. I like the Miles I think it's Morales. a good character. Yeah. I think he's a good character. So it seems like that's going to be the focus of the movie. Well, see, that's and what's I think interesting. That's a good choice. The pr- approach here is, yeah, you're doing this. You'd think let's start off in the Peter Parker universe, right? Because that would be the one people are most accustomed to. But it looks like you might start off in the Miles Morales universe and have Peter Parker kind of come into it. And I think that decision was made in an effort to separate it from Homecoming and everything else. Yes. I really do. And actually, I think it's a good choice. I really do. I, I, I like Miles Morales' Spider-Man, and seeing him in a cartoon version in this way, I think, is a good way to kind of introduce that all. and To a bigger audience. To a bigger audience. And seeing Spider-Gwen... I, I again another character I like. Yeah, but I like Spider Gwen. Spider Gwen always had a great. Thank you. That's what I like about Spider Gwen. Her costume. There's something about the mask into the hood thing with the webbing inside the hood. Yeah, I just always thought that looked so cool. There's a couple redesigns that have come out in say the past ten years or so that I've liked that I think are really well done. That's one of them. Yeah. The new Batgirl is another with the clip. Yeah. You can actually see the buttons where her cape attaches uh-huh. and you can see the way that the, the outfit would work. Yeah. I've always thought that was a good redesign. There's Gwen Poole, but I, you know, she's a good character, but I don't know if that's necessarily a great costume design, but there's been a number lately and, and, and Spider Gwen's one of them. Have you seen the release of images of Batwoman from the set? Yeah, they nailed the it. B- WB. I was like, wow. Okay. There's somebody who actually knows how yeah. to cosplay. Like, yeah. I thought they did a really good job. The only thing they did that I noticed was the inside of her cape in the comics is like blood red, super intense red. Right. Frames her like really brightly. Mm -hmm. Probably wouldn't show up great on screen. Yeah. And they've darkened it. It's a very deep burgundy. Yeah. It's like Uh, a, almost a maroon. Yeah. But other than that, it's, it's great. Okay. What what do you guys think about the person they picked for? uh, Ruby Rose. Yeah. I don't know. See, I know the name and I've seen little bits and pieces, but. She, She was the girl that was in John Wick 2. With the tattoos and stuff. Oh, okay. yeah. I think it's a perfect match. That's a good choice, yeah. I think it's a perfect match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how that plays out, you know. So, Apparently, I didn't know a lot about Batwoman. I thought I did, and then I realized what I know about Batwoman is actually Batgirl. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know they're two different characters. She, like, the redesign huh. with the red hair came out, I want to say, like, in the early, mid-2000s. Yeah, they said, like, yeah, 2005 or something yeah. like that it came out. I, I didn't see, even I realize that. I seeing it. And thinking it was striking, the red hair mm-hmm. and the red inside of the cape and the, the dark black suit with the red boots. Because there was that old Batwoman, which was the, the one with the sealed face mask that came, remember yes. that was popular in the early 2000s, yeah. late yeah. 1990s, early 2000s. And that's, that's what I thought they were going for. Yeah, and I didn't she was realize... like almost, it was almost like stitched up and yeah. never, yeah. she didn't even talk and she was yeah. silent and everything. And, and I, I like that costume too. Yeah, that was a good costume. Yeah. But then this one came out and now this one's getting in with the Marvel or the DC TV right. shows. And I, when they said Batwoman, that's what I was thinking was the old one. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not. And then I had to go look it up and I'm like, oh, apparently it is. I had to keep up yeah. on my Batman lore and I didn't, so <laughs> shame on me. So I'm... Excited for this. I think this is an interesting move for Marvel. And uh, what I, I find interesting to... here is it's a win, I think, at least so far from what I've seen. So here they are. It's a win in the live action. Now they're starting to win in the the 
you know, it was always an, said that animation they category. Had the, they had the live action down, but the DC was the animation king, was, and yeah. they still are by far. But if Marvel can start pushing inroads into that, if, if they start doing more like this, I think they could start making a headway on DC's animation side of things. Okay, that brings me to my next subject, which is of DC. DC. So apparently, according to DC several seems sources, to stand for discontinue. <laughs> apparently. According to several sources, including Hollywood Reporter, which who I actually kind of you know believe quite often, yeah. among many other websites and other sources, have confirmed that yes, Cavill Henry Cavill is out as Superman, and they actually Gary you nailed this story before it even came out in the papers that the talks broke down over Shazam. He was supposed and, to be in Shazam. Golly! And apparently they didn't, they didn't want to pay him what he thought he was owed. Yeah. And so Warner Brothers basically said, so since you don't want to do it our way, we're just going to find somebody else. And they, and apparently part of this is apparently the argument over Supergirl in the movies, which I didn't even know that was a thing that was even being discussed. Apparently, they want to bring Supergirl in, but the problem is if she is, then Kal-El is too an old. infant. Yeah. He's too old. So, you know, ha- having Henry Cav- Cavill around as Superman doesn't work if that's what they want to do. So, somebody inside Warners is saying they're trying to hit a reset button with the DC Universe. Which ship slowly into another direction. But that's the thing, and this is where we talked about DC the past couple shows. We're still getting an Aquaman movie with Jason Momoa as as Aquaman, who was in Justice League with Cavill and Batfleck. Mm-hmm. And we're still getting a Wonder Woman movie with Gail Godot, or how you pronounce her name, and was in the Justice League with Cavill and Batfleck. But apparently those two are not them anymore. But Ezra Miller's still on as The Flash, but they don't know when his movie's necessarily coming out and maybe it's being held back. And what about the guy who played Cyborg? And will they take Cyborg out of the equation entirely and throw him into the Titans TV show? And it's, they cannot seem to get their stuff organized for movies. And we're still getting a Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. And right, right. now, apparently James Gunn coming on to do Suicide Squad Suicide 2 cool, says yeah. he's resetting it. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if they recast half that thing. Right. So it's they cannot keep a continuity to save their lives. And the really odd thing about the whole thing too is they say they're moving forward they're moving forward with the Justice League. But they're recasting Batman and Superman. I'm like, how do you move forward with p- two different people that's moving backwards? I mean, like like I said, I can't help but sit here and wonder how Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa feel here. Yeah. Because first off, Gal Gadot, she's got some bragging rights. She's got the first successful, let's face it, yeah. DC movie in a while. And is fantastic. People were sure great about job. her as the character, and yep. she's fantastic. She did a great job, and I give her credit, and I thought she portrayed Wonder Woman well. But now she's got to sit here wondering, like, she's really kind of getting the rug ripped out from underneath her yeah. by Warner Brothers. Because the reality is... Yes, she's got the 1984 movie coming out, but her future after that is suddenly kind of suspect. Yeah. And anything they might hint towards about the future, if it involves Superman or Batman, may not really matter at this point. If you're Jason Momoa, you're about to come out with Aquaman, this goes down 
just before you're coming out with it's Aquaman, like, yeah, and now people are going to giant movie, right? So now people are going to go, well, why would I go see Aquaman when it sounds like Captain America? Or sorry, Captain America. <laughs> I just can't believe I said that. And it sounds like Superman and Batman are out. Yeah, so I it's just like, why get invested in this? Because this might be the only movie. It's right. Like, oh, we're done. So why would you spend your effort and money and time and mentality trying to learn about a universe that, quite honestly, looks like it's going to collapse in on itself anyway? Yeah. It's hard. I, it's hard for people to get invested. And that's the, the trick is think about it. We just had uh, Chris Evans sign off as playing Captain America for eight years right. through multiple movies and a whole series of arcs with the character and other characters and through Avengers movies. And it's emotional. We're connected right. with him. We're invested in him. We want to see People what happens People were literally to him. crying, including yeah. myself. <laughs> it's, it's, that's connection with the character. But DC, it's like, they can't seem to hold on to these people long enough for us to really get that connection. And if they're never going to get that, they're never going to come close to what Marvel's doing. I'm starting to begin to think it's not DC. It's Warner Brothers. It's the well, problem. Yeah, that's when I, t- when I say to me DC, like, I don't necessarily mean DC. I get it. And, and so part of me is sitting here saying like if Warner Brothers doesn't want to do the DC universe justice, I know this is kind of ironic, the word I'm using, but if they don't want to do it right – then maybe it's time for them to hand it off to somebody that does want to do it right. Maybe it's time to hand it off to Paramount or Sony or... How many puns can we put in here? Warner Brothers is not doing it justice. It sounds like they're out of their (laughs) league. (laughs) It's no wonder (laughs) that this is just a flash in the pan. (laughs) But you get what I'm saying, right? Just water over the bridge. Oh, boy. (laughs) I was just going to go, Aquaman. (laughs) Uh, what what they need to do is what Disney did with Marvel, separate D- DC from Warner Brothers, make DC their own entity, and let them go with it. Right. Because now Marvel Marvel has Marvel films, right? Focused on it. And I just don't see Warner Brothers letting that happen. And that's where I'm saying, like, maybe it's time to let them sell that off to somebody who's willing to let that happen. Well, do you get the, what I'm saying? It, it, you don't sell it off. You just split it. Yeah, you're still under the Warner Brothers banner. But then, but my problem with that is you still have the Warner Brothers CEOs over your head, and I think that's the problem. Well, the you, Warner Brothers CEOs are the problem. <laughs> what do you think's going on with Star Wars? Well, I get that you got the Disney execs, correct, putting that, their right? head, putting their hands inside of it. And we're lucky because they didn't haven't messed with Marvel too much. They could have messed Marvel up, and they didn't. Who's to say they haven't yet? Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like. We're lucky they haven't put their hand yeah. in there I mean, yet. We'll see to try where Phase Five goes, right? And they, they maybe the James Gunn thing was the beginning of them putting their hand into it. You know what I mean? I don't know. We'll they, see. They, they've already said there's going to be a new Guardians. Yeah, I know. I get it. Whole, whole new team. So I, this is all like weird, which all brings me back to our fourth point. So our fourth point is that. It has now become pretty clear by a lot of people, and this came out on Phantom Wire this week, and I've been hearing rumors about this, but I didn't want to believe it till we could confirm the Henry Cavill thing, that apparently the CW has been marketing, shipping, shopping around the idea of another Superman series. Apparently their hope... I love the CW to an extent. They're like taking advantage of the situation here. Their hope is that Superman falls apart in the movie theater so they can be like, they're ambu- great, can they're we have much TV chasing. now? They're ambulance chasing. But they right are. Uh, part of me says I don't blame them for it mm-hmm. because they've got great shows. Arrow, Supergirl, Flash. So far, I have yet to see a- I've never seen any footage of this. I don't watch the DC shows. I'll admit okay. It. 
so I, I don't know how this guy is as Superman. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't either. I, I all I can say is that as far as I'm concerned, they have not had a a total crash and burn yet on the CW when it comes to a DC show. I hear Arrow's starting. It's starting to, to wane, but this season picked back up again. I was about to drop it. I really was. I was I was like, "All right, I'm watching the first two episodes of the season just to see what happens." And actually, I was kind of like, "Oh, Oh, okay. Now we're doing something where I was like, okay, maybe you got my. They piqued my interest again. Oliver Queen's in jail now, and all sorts of weird things are going on. I'm like, all right, now I kind of want to see where this goes. Did you see the release of that poster for their crossover event or whatever? And it showed, I swear to God, it showed him in a different costume, like Who, it was the uh, Flash yes. or something. Whoa. I was yes. confused. I think what's happening in that particular crossover event is they're all going to end up exchanging powers. So that, that could be really entertaining. That could be entertaining, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Like so it's even the last crossover event they had where uh Did you see the one where someone photoshopped him as Supergirl? No. With long hair? No. But he still had the scruff. Oh jeez. He commented back on the Photoshop job and he's like, I cannot unsee that. <laughs> <laughs> the last crossover event was really good and it that focused was the invasion one, right? Earth X was it? Earth X, yeah. And it focused on the time traveling group, oh, uh, right, DC right. Legends of Tomorrow. I like that show too. I mean, was it two years ago that it was the alien invasion? Then yeah, it was oh, two wow. years ago. It was the alien invasion. Though this past one was the one where they all the bad guys are the good guys and the good guys are the bad guys. I forget what that was. Oh, the Legion. Thing the, the Legion. Yeah, and I thought that was another good crossover. Like I told you guys, cinematic to an extent, and across all of the platforms, they did a great job. I thought bringing it all together. And I'm just sitting here going, okay, maybe they could do Superman Justice. My only thing was, and I posted this on Facebook, and I'm serious. They've done it before. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. We've we've seen Superman. Sorry. The reality is Lois Lane. What is it? Uh, Lois and Clark, right? Yeah. And then we had Smallville. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm kind of like, well, we have rehashed Superman several times on TV. A matter of fact, on the CW, for that matter. And so I just can't. I, my, I can't wrap my head around this idea that we're gonna rehash him again and then i'm sitting there going wait a minute arrow wouldn't exist were it not for smallville right like smallville started the arrow everybody knows that and the real reality is if you bring superman back how do you do that without somehow referencing smallville or bringing back the smallville characters directly i, I just i don't know if you're going to put them in the same universe as arrow it, it makes it very difficult I just, you know, what do you guys think of this idea of bringing back Superman as a TV show? Good idea to relaunch him on TV or not? Superman as a character has always posed a problem for me because of his omnipotence. You know, right. just he's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Cinematically in giant movies where he can do amazing or shattering things and you can get that, I can see it. I always feel like you put him on the small screen and he you have to go the limited route like they did with Smallville. It's like, right. well, he's... We're not going to show the power. Because he's a teenager. He doesn't You're still fly. figuring him out. Just, yeah. yeah. You know, or you get Lois and Clark, which I know people loved at the time, but I, I don't believe did. Oh, my gosh. I was so campy. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think Superman on the small screen is tough. Now, granted, shows have gotten better. We keep talking about some TV shows yeah. that, you know, Game of Thrones can have cinematic episodes and certain TV shows are filmed beautifully. This is the WB. <laughs> I was going to say. They're I don't, not at that level. I don't think WB is at that so, level. So... How good do they do with the special effects and all the other DC shows? Like Supergirl. I right. mean, are they doing her justice because she's almost as powerful? I mean, to be honest, powerful. I think they're doing an okay job. The, my only issue with Supergirl, personally, is they don't focus on Supergirl. 
They're still focusing on her sister and all these other characters. And that's probably because of the and budget limitations. You might be They're right. Like, and we that, gotta, you can't have her flying yeah. around doing super in every episode. We can't afford it. Well, right. well, one of the problems is, is who is the main villain for superhero? I don't know. Exactly. exactly. There was no big villains, and so they were kind of <laughs> like going through these weird, you know, there were a couple, that, but like none that I was like, Brainiac oh, yeah. is the one they've been putting in there a lot, isn't it? Who? Brainiac? No. No, actually. that's more of a love interest for yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, was she, he was a love interest a little bit. Um, and I forget the girl that they threw in recently. Who was, uh, Wraith or whatever? Yeah, Wraith. She's, yeah. You know, but that apparently that was a really small story arc that they yeah. made into a big thing. And it was like, you know, they're having to grasp at straws a little bit. And that's the thing about Superman. It could be big. Smallville didn't do it justice. I don't think Lois and Lane did it justice. Smallville because, was, was good in the early years because it was an right. interesting early mythology but then it got bigger and bigger and more involved and more it, it, i actually liked it in the later years personally it, but... it, and everybody that came within within 10 feet of kryptonite became superpowered yeah. right that, that was my problem with small and there was so much kryptonite <laughs> yeah yeah it was like everywhere <laughs> i mean i i think my thing with smallville was that you never really saw superman till the very end you know that very last and episode really didn't really see yeah. him even then right. he wasn't in he never got to wear the costume never in costume yeah it was, it was did, a little was digital figure digital figure yeah so you know it just it never so to me like if they're going to do it justice and they're going to do superman on the small screen you got to bring superman's big villains in and do it right like bring brainiac in bring in Dark side, bring right. in some of these big guys. Starro. And I think and, and make it Starro. Good I Lord. think that's the problem is the limited budgets on TV. Yeah. I, I it's gonna come across either campy or cheap. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> there there's some limitations there. Okay. So well, it's too still too early to talk about who they're gonna cast as the new Superman and Batman. Probably I I think John it really Hamm is. for Batman. <laughs> no, <laughs> still go by it. No now if they do a Superman story like they do with Gotham. Yeah, it might be, might be okay. Like an alternate universe kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Like, but then uh, you're getting into just more things that are disconnected, and it's yeah. so scattered. But but Gotham did it right though. Mm-hmm. They somehow they they captured it pretty good. I I, I didn't like it when I first watched it, but I, I watched been. It grew on me. I'm binging the whole whole series. Yeah, so it I started off going, Ugh, you know, kind of like, oh my gosh, they're getting so much wrong, and then the more it got wrong, the more I was kind of. Like, Okay, well, if I guess to kind of ignore that, well, well, <laughs> just I, go with it. I, I, I guess I was watching Gotham as a story of uh, James Gordon. Yeah, not not. Yeah, you're right, Gary. If you look at it from that perspective, it does. No, that, it that, works. That, that's how I started watching it. So. Yeah. So our last subject, because we're a Star Wars and more podcast, we can't help but talk about the latest news of Star Wars, and that is that Mark Hamill has confirmed that Chewbacca's coming back. Yes. No. Uh, he is actually he going to back. come back to episode Orgs are coming back. nine. He's going to know everybody's shared point. So he even tweeted, I mentioned keeping my hashtag Star Wars opinions to myself and what happens. It triggers an avalanche of questions about the next one. All I can say is, yes, I'm in it. Other than that, just consider it episode nine comment. Nine being spelled like no in like German. Nine. He's going to be Jedi Killer Dillion. I was going to bring up that he trained. It was one of the Knights of Ren was Jedi Killer Dillion. Jedi Killer Dillion. He trains him. So how do you think, what role does Mark Hamill play in episode nine? I mean, what do you guys really think? I mean, holy crap. I can't believe we're saying that. So how do you think Luke Skywalker plays his role in episode nine? Does he actually come back to life? I, here's the thing. I, 
honestly don't know. The, the logical part of me wants to say, Force Ghost, it's simple. He's going to appear to Ray, end of story, blah, blah, blah. And that's how he trains Ray and continues you know, on with path. He, and he won't even be in it that much. He'll be in it a little bit. Right. Part of me goes, bringing J.J. back, that he had these original ideas for an arc, mm-hmm. a series of arcs, and then he felt, I, I really feel like he felt like they got tromped on, which we mm-hmm. all know they did through all the stories and stuff. Is there some possibility? And them not having Leia to be the focus like they wanted. Right. Is there some possibility in his mind, something he's done that's going to make fans cheer because somehow Luke's alive? I I can't 100% rule it out. I don't logically believe it. I, I My mind tells me Force Ghost, but there's this small part of me that goes, maybe. James Rowan's going to be in it. He's going to unsnap his fingers <laughs> and he's going to come back. <laughs> And everything's going to get reversed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All I could think of, and it sounds so awful, was I was like, okay, well, maybe Luke is still alive because all that green milk just did a body good, right? <laughs> I mean, like, how or, else could Luke still be alive? Or James Brown's going to come in and say, body side by one. <laughs> so is it possible that Luke... I, here's the thing. Honestly, mm-hmm. when he vanished, his arm vanished with him. Okay. What if Luke has reached the level of power that not only could he force project, he actually went somewhere. Okay. He teleported. Like teleported someplace. He, uh, he phased to somewhere else. Well, that's where I'm saying, remember, we had that episode of, not Clone Wars, uh, Rebels. Rebels, where Ahsoka went into that. Temple. Like, Phantom Zone, right? In the middle of all it. Like, what if Luke's. He's in a temple. In a temple in the Phantom Zone somewhere, and he's able to walk out somewhere onto the regular universe and bring himself back. This would be great. You're going to see Ewan McGregor in it. You're going to see Lee Nielsen. <laughs> uh, Why not? Uh, you're going to see uh, uh, Vader in white. You're going to see Liam Mason. I have a special set of skills. <laughs> I'm going to come and take care of you, Kylo. Mace is still alive. He walks out too. Why not? I mean, like part of me sits here and says, if you can read, if that is a storyline, they're going to run with this whole idea that Ahsoka had that she could come out of whatever portal. Well, now everything's possible because you could undo it all. It's the, let's put it this way. This is nine. This is the end of the third trilogy, Mm -hmm. which is supposed to be the nine movie arc. Right. It definitely went off the rails in eight, in my opinion, as being the trend of the arc <laughs> because, it, because it became less about the it, – it's supposed to be the arc of the Skywalkers. Right. And that was always the intention. And they got upset that all this was about the Skywalkers constantly. That was the intention. Right. And they tried to really shift it and say, nope, we're going to get rid of them. We're gonna, I'm going to upend everything. I, don't, I didn't like it. I don't think it worked. Not for any other reason than I didn't think the story worked that way. And it was supposed to be the story of the Skywalkers. Well, here we are. We're at nine. This is the big ending of this trilogy. If more movies come out after this, it's probably at that point going to be a clean slate. We're going to move into other characters and other parts of the like universe. Like I said, that kid, that kid, that kid is probably whatever. the main storyline. But if they're going to do something and end the Skywalker saga, if JJ's like, I got to do it, I got to bring it back to give them this end of the Skywalker saga. And it's the ninth episode. They do need to go big. This can't just be another, no, well, Ray is mad at Kylo. And it can't be another Kylo's a moody person who attacks people. And or it, it can't, can't it, be like Ray is a Jedi now and she starts a temple. Yay, yeah, go I mean, Ray. If they do I mean? too like, much predictable, he yeah. needs to do something big. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping, just hoping, it's there. Because, yeah, I didn't like The Force Awakens at first. Because it was, you know, I felt it was Star Wars again. And it was. Right. I like it better than I liked The Last Jedi. <laughs> And 
only because at least it was still trying to be the story of the Skywalkers and the story of the characters we knew and all that. And it wasn't this whole, and I don't, I like the new characters. Don't get me wrong. I think Ray could be awesome. And I think Kylo Ren could be really cool. And I like Poe and, you know, BB-8's a great robot and it's all good. But I felt like it went off the rails and so. I'm, I don't know. I, I, I can't getting back to the original point. I can't 100% believe it's going to be only as a ghost. I have a theory, and I want to see what you guys think of my theory. JJ said that he wants to focus more on the things that he presented forward with The Force Awakens. We know there's a huge story arc we have not heard yet. That's the Knights of Ren. Yeah. We have not oh, touched yeah. them at all. Exactly. And we don't even know who, what's so, his name, what Max von Sydow's character. Correct. So what if it's a strong possibility that a majority of this film is a flashback to the Knights of Ren and what they are, and Luke's involved in all of that. Is that okay with you no. guys if that's what they decide to run because with? Because this movie has never been about flashbacks. It's all the next episode is about the continuation of the story. I get You'd it. You'd never go back. And I don't. Notice I, Mark I, Hamill didn't say he's a major role. He just says he's in episode Yeah, and nine. that's why I'm thinking he could be the Force Ghost. But I, I, I don't think you can go back. I think you have to move forward in time. You have to tell the story of the Knights of Ren. If they're still around, they have to come into the picture. Maybe they come because they don't. Maybe they've all turned against Kylo. <laughs> That's what I'm this saying. could be the thing where Kylo redeems himself because right. the Knights of Ren are coming back and they're super powerful and whatever, and you know it could it could go that route. But right. I don't think you can tell a big flashback movie. You can have moments like they did. They showed you know Luke seeing what he happened when he you know almost struck down Kylo. Right, that's what I'm saying. Stuff. stuff like that. But that was brief. That was like a minute. Right. I don't think you can tell a major portion of a movie in flashback in Star Wars because it's just a, a it's a it's wrong. Uh, how about this one? Um... Luke was actually on Yavin 4 at that Jedi Temple. Okay. All right. And he was force projecting himself on Act 2. I, you know, I was just going to say... So that both projections he died faded, at the same time? He faded from... From Crate. Or, or Crate, or, or, yeah. Or, yeah, Crate. He faded from... Act 2. Act 2. Double projection. Yeah. Possibility. <laughs> I think that would be horrible if they did that. But let me ask you guys this: Is it a killer if it, if he's just a ghost? I no, mean, like, I mean, that's what I expect, and that's okay. what I'm preparing myself for. Is that what you're preparing yourself for, Gary? He's oh, just yeah. a force ghost. Yeah. I'm kind of assuming too. Like, Alec Guinness was in two movies after he died <laughs> as a force ghost. I mean, Yoda was. I mean, so like, it to me, it just it totally makes sense to be the force ghost. It, yeah. it just is a thing. We'd love to hear what you have to say about all these subjects, plus we all the things we've talked about. So we'd love to hear what you have to say about Glass, the second trailer. Excited. We'd love to hear yep, what you have same. to say about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Still excited. We'd love to hear what you have to say about Henry Cavill being out eh, he's not. as Superman. We'd love to hear what you have to say about a WB Superman TV series. Mm. And then Mark Hamill appearing in Star Wars Episode Nine. Yay! When we come back after the break, we're going to be talking about the first episode of the first season of Star Wars Resistance. Shazam! Golly! <laughs> we'll be back just Woo. after the break. <laughs> we'll be right back after we navigate through this promotional tunnel. I thought I was marrying an Italian. Then through Ancestry.com we discovered I'm actually only about 8% Italian and mostly English. Not just English, freaking royalty. Trace my roots back to King Charles II. That's when I started researching my own ancestry and found out that I'm a distant relative of, get this, his sister Mary. What a coincidence. We were family before we were family. It's kind of romantic. Uh, kind of. Just two generations later, our family... F families. 
was well removed from the throne. Those ancestors came to America. But all but two of them died in a common cold epidemic. Really bad immune systems on account of The surviving duo was an aunt and her nephew, Mildred and Gentry Malloy. At least they thought it was just the two of them. But just before they arrived, Aunt Mildred realized she was pregnant. A love story. Family making family. Be still my heart. Mm-hmm. Now, when we say aunt and nephew, realize this was another time. I mean, she was actually younger than him. So really more like uncle, Look, niece. the kid was Mildred and Gentry's only child. He grew up, moved west, had 17 kids with four wives, and that's when the family tree really starts to branch out. And I uncovered another surprise just before we came here. You know how we figured out that your dad's brother was put up for adoption? Mm -hmm. I found him. Turns out he's my mom's second cousin. Oh my God. Right? And we were always like, isn't it so crazy we have the same last name? <laughs> Technically, it's legal for cousins to marry in dozens of states. We're long lost cousins. <laughs> oh my God, I love our story. Let's have a kid. This helpful instructional message from the National Association of People Who Have Trouble Walking and Chewing Gum at the Same Time. Step, chew. Step, chew. Step, chew. Step, chew. Mmm, that cheeseburger you do not want. I do not want that cheeseburger. Those fries give Yoda. Here, have my fries. Your drink desire you not. The Diet Pepsi, I do want. Want you not? Do not want? Yes. This summer, grab a Diet Pepsi and see Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. You don't scare me, Darth Vader, because I have the strength of the Force. You cannot hide. I'm a Jedi Knight, and the Force is the strongest power in the universe. Your powers are weakening, Vader, but the Force is strong in me. I can feel it. Feel the Force with Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Figures, vehicles, and playsets each sold separately, only from Kenner. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Thank you for your patience as we navigated through the promotional tunnel. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast as we talk about Season 1, Episode 1 of Star Wars Resistance titled 
The Recruit, which is basically all about Cass. So what did you guys think about this episode? I mean, this is our first time looking at Star Wars Resistance, trying anything on Star Wars Resistance, looking at, watching. I just want to kind of get, like, a first overview. What did you guys think? Gary, what did you think? I gave it five pills. Yeah, I saw that. You were falling asleep. <laughs> I did fall asleep. But I don't think it was Resistance's fault. I think you just had a long week. <laughs> well, I had a long week, but at the same time, it was, I didn't find it very entertaining. Okay. <laughs> Eric, what did you think? Uh, I, I think I liked it better than Gary did. I enjoyed the visuals. I wasn't yeah. sure about the style, but seeing a full episode in that style, I'm convinced it can work. Some of the lighting was really cool. Yeah. Some of the visuals were really nicely done. Uh, the animation style worked for the comedic action. I think it worked better than the almost too realistic flow of the 3D animation from like Rebels, for example. Right. Uh, there's something about that kind of style that unless it's telling a certain kind of story doesn't seem, you know, certain story elements don't seem to work. For this, what they're doing, it's a, you're a bit more separate from it. Right. You don't feel as immersed and it's more cartoony. So it worked for me. The episode was a bit too talky. There was definitely a lot of, I mean, I didn't know how many times we needed to hear, I don't want to help Kaz out. And I don't, you know, right. I don't want to be a part of your spy mission. And how many times do we have to hear him say, I'll fix this and I'll wait, hold on. And, you know, it's like they they kept hammering home some ideas quite a bit over the length of this episode that they didn't need to keep repeating. We got it, you know. But that being said, the humor worked. I felt a lot of the humor I felt worked. Some of it was a little flat, but a lot of it worked. And I felt that overall, I, I was kind of interested in the characters a bit, you know. I can see myself wanting to know a bit more. And I like that the whole thing's this is clearly going to be wrapped in a mystery. This, at least this first season, is probably going to be, we'll be introduced to all these different racers, and I'm willing to bet that one of these people that we're going to grow to like is the bad guy. Is going to end up right. being the bad guy. If they go right. that route, and it's not just some weird side character that we never see, we're going to like everybody, and then someone will turn out to be the, the person working with the, the First Order, and it's going to be... Somebody you, know, like, you least expect. Yeah, we'll get yeah. involved in it. It'll, it'll, it'll get us. So I'm hoping that's the way they go. Yeah, I, I got to, you know, just as a general overview, I got to kind of agree with you that I, I was... I was concerned about the style because I'm I'm not used to animation style. Being honest, I think the last thing I watched with any animation style like that was Robotech. Well, I've uh, never really been into anime and animation. I'll tell you, you right know? now, though, this is clearly not anime. No, it's, it's definitely not aping it a little bit, right? But it's very much almost cell shaded. It's much more. It looks much more like what you see in in video game animation. Yeah, that's trying to duplicate. The True anime. animation. Right. Yeah, I give you that. So that's what it feels more like. I'll give you that. And it feels more like uh, like when Ben 10 first came out and some of those things, you know, that it just had that feel to it. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it works. For some reason, it works for this show. And I, I can't believe I'm saying that because, as we said, we were worried about it being flat on this three-dimensional background that could be huge and big. And yet, for some reason, it seems to work. I agree with you. For some reason, I, I think if we were to put it in that 3D animation style, it may actually be too much to try to take in the background, the foreground, plus all the racing and stuff going on. So I think it actually works. And that was the other thing about the 3D animation. It always felt a little slow. Yeah. It's like if you sped it up too much to get that real sense of speed, it would have a natural blur to it. It's blurry. Yeah. And it's too much. Yeah. But you put it in this kind of cel-shaded 2D, and you can make things zip much quicker yeah. and get that sense of speed, but you still don't lose the crispness. It just works better with your eye. Right. I think the art, it works better with the art. 
as far as the storyline goes, I, I wish we had more time to develop it. I kind of feel like even though this is an hour episode that they would have taken maybe a couple more episodes to kind of pan this out maybe a little bit. Maybe should have built up to the first race. Yeah. But then again, even though it went quick, it still felt long in parts. Because like I said, certain sections of the talking seem to go on for quite a while. Hammer, I get it. I get that. Right. The point you're getting here. You don't need to restate it a couple different ways. And I just felt like those scenes could have been trimmed a little bit. Who was the big guy that he kept running into? Is that Orca that he kept running into? No, the... Orca was the guy who worked at the um, shop. Oh, that's right. He was the guy at the shop. The right. person who was the big character. Boy. Was that Bolza Gruel? Probably. Yeah, might have been. Okay. I just kind of felt like we had that interaction didn't need to happen, what, three, four, five times, however many times it happened. It was. Uh, a little too much, you know what I mean? Like, it was a little too out there. It didn't need to be as often. The really weird thing is I thought I would find Niku totally annoying. Like, I, I thought I, just from all the things I'd read online, I was kind of like, oh, great. Here's a character that's going to be like Jar Jar or something, right? And actually, I find him kind of oddly. He's endearing. He's quirky but endearing. Like, it's because, all at the same you time. know why? Because he's super. Th- th- I can tell you right now what they, they defining character trait they told is. He's earnest. Yeah. He's very, he means everything he's into. And he's very literal, of course. That's kind of the joke. Is right. He takes things. He's he like an Amelia Bedelia type. Yeah. He doesn't understand hyperbole. He doesn't understand exaggeration. It right. doesn't quite click with him. So he takes everything and he runs with it and he's super earnest. Yeah. And it's hard to not like a character like that because they're so innocent. Yeah. And I think that helped at least that character work for what he had to do. And I think he had great humor in, in, in amongst all that. Somehow that all kind of functionally worked, and I thought that was that was good. Kaz, you know, so. did, Kaz didn't even annoy me as much as I thought. He feels yeah. kind of like a Ezra character, you know, cocky but still screws up. And then he's like, ooh, I screwed up, uh, you know, type thing. I hope they take him a little differently. You know, I hope he doesn't. That seems to be a trope you fall into. Yeah. And I, I hope he... he Expands obviously. First episode, he'll grow. I well, I but. think Jarek will end up taking him under his wing and kind of making a bigger thing, right? I mean, to me, that's. I think that's going to be the overall overarching story is how this guy takes this kid under his wing, almost, almost like a father figure. That's what I'm thinking because I mean, let's face it, we've we've seen him cut ties with his father basically in this episode in an effort he, he to go join that, the resistance. He makes it know? clear that his home life is not something he that he likes. appreciates, yeah. right? Which, you know, that's there's some already some good questions that are out there. Like I I wanna know now who's his dad. Like who's the senator? And I'm sure later we're gonna find out it's some big deal. Yeah, there is there's definitely Krennic, you know what I mean, or something <laughs> crazy like that, <laughs> awesome right? Some of it was Krennic. <laughs> I mean clearly though the guy they have like an Asian sound even his voice had like a yeah. Asian accent to uh, it, you know, or whatever. Can't be Krennic because he's dead long. Time. No, I know. I was joking around. I know. I was, I know. But <laughs> You know, it, it's going to be Kylo Ren, <laughs> right? I just wonder if it. I mean, it, it sounds like I mean, the visual, the way they did it. Oh, well, let's make it about we're scrambling the signal, but we're not going to show who his dad is. Very clearly, kind of sets something up. Like right. there could be a reveal there. Um, we'll have to see where that goes. But so it's like there's a couple mysteries they're already hinting at. Right. I I like the mystery around the red tie pilot. I, I uh-huh. there's something about that. I. And I know it's because of the red tie pilot. I like the costume. I was like, holy cow. And the and the ship. I mean, the yeah. costume ship, the whole nine yards. I liked it. He's the Red Baron, very clearly. Kind of, yeah. yeah. He's got that feel to it. I like how the tie fighter's a little more stout than the typical, you know, tie interceptors we've seen. 
and I just I like the character, and he's got that Boba Fett feel to him. Like we don't know much about him, and part of me is like, that's good. I, I'm okay with that. We can mm. let that be for a while. We'll and see not if they have that, that kind of restraint. Though. I'm kind yeah. I, I'm hoping they kind of keep that though. I mean, like. Yes, well, I'm sure we could learn some things about him, but let's do that in due time, and let's not jump into the idea of, like, here he is, and here's who he is. I'd love to let that drag out for a season or so. Yeah. And to me, that would be cool. You know, like, let that kind of lay a little bit. And But I, I like I like the fact that he's got this, this fighter style. He's got this unique style to, to flying. I thought the flying scenes actually were blocked really well i mean like that's the one complaint we had about rebels right was the blocking was awful yeah. and i don't know if it was the limitation and the difficulties of the full of the 3d, 3D animation imaging? and it's if it's Maybe. easier with this but this definitely flowed i mean we haven't had a fight scene yet you're right but, but it also felt a little more spacious yeah. you know and just the fact that the flight the chases blocking. were good and the angle like the angles of flying under the other ship the right. cockpit views also you gotta remember though we're doing flights at ground level. Right. And there's always more of a sense of speed when you have things passing, like the rings were a smart right. idea because not only they're a race marker, you get that sense of speed when they fly by. You get the sense of speed with the water flying under them. You get the sense of speed when they fly past the rig. In space, There, things can be zooming around, but you don't necessarily get that sense of speed. Everything feels slower. All I can think of, I don't, you, have you guys ever played the Star Fox game that was on the yeah, Nintendo yeah. 64? Like, it had that feel to oh, yeah. it because the rings, right? And if you remember in the Star Fox games, the ring would actually make you go a little faster each time you went through one. So I'm kind of wondering if at some point maybe they'll they'll make that a thing, you know, where, like, they, they make them go faster. They, they did. Yeah, no, I get that, but I mean, like, even more than what we saw, so it was, like, kind of throwing you, it was even farther. What what I did like is the, the uh, homage to uh, Chuck Yeager. Yes, yeah, I get it, yep. Yeah, there's, there was, that definitely was in there. Well, you, what, 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 do you, what do you think I'm talking about, though? You're talking about the, the drop and the go on the on the jet, no. right? Well, there's that, but uh, Yeager. Well, yeah, having the name Yeager in there, yeah. yeah. They're going to find out he's probably a... Great-grandfather. No, ne- next champion of uh, this racing thing. Yeah. Oh, I get what you're saying. Now, I wonder how long the racing thing can play out in Resistance. Yeah, it's a great way to start this. It's a yeah. neat idea that we... It's it's a it's a nice self-contained story that looks like it could be a good... Maybe, maybe even a full season. Definitely a half. Maybe even a full if they play up the mystery aspect. The more we get to like these characters, the more we wonder who it is and you know we're dreading that the person we really like ends up being the bad guy you know right if they play that up but i don't know if they can do more than one season of racing it's like after that this this show has to expand and go somewhere well and i think that's why the title's smart because notice it's not like star wars racing right right it's star wars resistance so it's star like wars. bomb bad racing <laughs> right like so to me like it could be about finding the spy and then your next season could be about breaking out of that yeah because i think there's a danger in sticking to that just this platform thing because then you become deep space nine and then you kind of shoot yourself in the foot because you can't go anywhere right because right, like right. the star trek always admitted the biggest mistake they made with deep space nine was not having some sort you of ship though? attached to I it i love deep know? space nine i thought it was awesome i did too but <laughs> you have to admit the first season or so oh yeah it was tough you were so stagnant you're so you're, used to traveling right and going to other planets and you're like we're just staying here right and until they came up with the defiant where they could get in a ship and go somewhere, they didn't know what to do with that show, and it kind of made it tough. So part of me says, yeah, I agree with you. I'm hoping this is just this season kind of thing, and they can expand and keep going out from there. Do you guys, uh, do do you think that this show, based on what we've seen at least so far, 
is is gonna have a following now? Like, do you think there's there's this feeling that maybe we'll suck some people into this, or do you think it's just the regular Star Wars fans jumping into this thing? I think it could. I think it could grow. I think okay. this is one that. I mean, the the bright, colorful approach. Yeah. To all the visuals is gonna appeal to a lot of costumers. It's gonna appeal to a lot of kids who like to want to play. You know, the figures when they come sure. out and stuff, and the, the ships. If all these ships have great you know, toys based on them that have that cool look. You know that's coming. Those are those are going to probably, I think, be a bigger hit than anything that came out of Rebels. Sure. You know, I, I think this, they primed themselves with some very good starting points on this. Yeah. They were smart in their plan. Just have to see where it goes. Who do you think their target audience is? Because I was, I was thinking about that as we were finishing up the episode. Who do you think target, our target audience is? I do think Star Wars fans, because it's heavy in the lore. you got to know where we're at in the storyline. Yeah. It's got Phasma, it's got Poe, it's got Starkiller Base, it's got a lot of instant references to, to a bunch of Star Wars things. I, I think I think fans are definitely part of the target audience, but I think they're trying to make it accessible enough to not be like heavily into the day-to-day activities is much more about the racing and this platform, so it doesn't have to necessarily only be to fans. People can right. kind of come in who are more interested in this action story. What do you think, Gary? Who do you think your target audience is? Late teens, early twenties. Yeah, I was just about to say that was what I was thinking too. The, the Fast and the Furious uh, group. Yeah, there you go. That's what I was thinking too. Like I call them the fringe fans. So fans who like know of Star Wars, like they know what it is, but maybe haven't like totally immersed themselves in it. Maybe they can get into Rebels because they just didn't get Rebels, right? right. Like they didn't get Clone Wars and totally understand it. But this seems to be targeted towards that fringe group who might know Star Wars but may not be, like, 100% invested in it. And I kind of like that idea because, to me, like you said, Eric, it's accessible. There's a lot of stuff here that you could grab onto. You don't need to know what a goddle is to know that there's a goddle on the screen. You know what I mean? But it's funny because we look at that and we go, oh, there's a goddle, you know, and then everybody else is like, oh, look, that's that guy from episode four, you right, know, like, right. and so like for us, we have more of a knowledge base and we can make those connections where people outside of that can be like, yeah, 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 that's Star Wars, you know? So I, I definitely think it's got that weird vibe where it can kind of pull both groups potentially together. what do you think of the visual style? Like in terms, not, not the animation style, but the design of the locations. Actually, I thought it felt very Star Wars-like, which... Well, I mean, they nailed the, the ship. Right. At the beginning. Right. That, you know, On the chance of four, they yeah. nailed the hallways. I, you know, the TIE fighters looked correct. The dreadnoughts were correct. Even Starkiller Base at the end looked right. Starkiller Base looked right. I think that's important because that was the shortfall of Rebels. Nothing felt Star Wars esque in Rebels. It- you know, they tried. You were, they but, tried, but you were just you were on this planet that just didn't feel like Star Wars, and I think that was the uphill battle they had was trying to convince us that's part of the same universe. We're here, we're jumping in, and I'm like, oh yeah, I can see Star. Wars. I totally see Star Wars in this. I don't need to try to imagine it. It's there. It's right there in front of me. You know, I, I don't know how you felt about that. The style and and for the same for the most part, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's there's a few things that felt. A little out of place. I think it was smart to immediately get us into a bar full of aliens. Because it's like, well, there you go. There's your, you know, cantina almost. But it was fun to have a bar fight in a cantina. That was 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 kind of fun. too, yeah. Leaving BB-8 behind, I think, was a smart idea. Because it's like, here's your connection with the new movies. Sure. Again, I just think they're making a lot of smart choices. I just got to see where it goes. I get it. I actually kind of liked the scene in the, when they went out into the market. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. 
that that reminded me a lot of like episode one when they go in the market there and and it had a lot of the same looks to it and a lot of the same feel to it and all the uh, tarplins hanging yeah, yeah gave yeah. me a feeling of a lot of concept art I've seen yeah for old Star Wars yep. too so I I definitely felt it there yeah so I mean like that's I guess that's all those things that kind of sucked you in and made you feel like yeah this is definitely like got that Star Wars feel to it is there anything that felt out of place in this show at all at least so far. Anything strike anybody's feeling out of place? The the ships themselves that they're racing with. Yeah. I've never seen them at all anywhere else. Yeah. So for me that's that's what drew me out of it. Yeah, it's not like they're racing X Wings or Y Wings. Yeah, or even or even, even the what the X Hunters, whatever those the, are called. Yeah, the Z ninety five headhunters. Now the headhunters is that what they were flying at the beginning, or were they were they X Wings? Because those, those, those were X Wings. Those were X Wings. I was trying to figure out if they were X Wings or Headhunters at the yeah, beginning. Headhunters don't have the split wings. Okay, that tells me a lot. Okay, um, but I agree with you, Gary. It is kind of weird that the ships they're flying aren't in the Star Wars universe. But you but know, I, here's the thing. I think back to like episode 1 and episode 2. Thank when you. I, was I first get to that. saw the the N- N- Queen Naboo ship, right. you know, I was like that's not God, a Star that's Wars. Not Star Wars. That's like <laughs> crystal smooth, <laughs> right? glossy, chromey. By the time it came around to the second third episodes, I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's Star Wars because yeah. it's the Queen, it's you know, yeah. it's her ship." So it it's like <laughs> they introduce things that may not seem it at the time, but we pretty quickly accept it into the lore if it's treated properly. Right. That was the funny thing when when Pepsi was doing their marketing. They were the first ones to come out with marketing stuff. And of course, I worked for Coca Cola at the time. I was like, "Damn you, Pepsi!" Uh, and they started coming out with these these Pepsi cans with the Naboo fighters on it. I'm like looking at the cans, going, "Are they Mark? Is that Star Wars? That's not Star Wars." Right. You know, like thinking, "No way!" You know. And now I go back and I look at those cans, and I'm like, well, "Of course, they're Star Wars." Yeah. That's a you know, you're right. It's it is the way the treatment. I remember the first time I saw the Bespin and, fighters with the twin pods. Right, and they I didn't was like, feel like Star Wars. That felt either. weird. I'm like, yeah, why? How the heck do you pilot do something with yeah. that? And now I'm like, oh, that's iconic. That's totally yeah. Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I think over time that may grow on us. You know, um, well, the the, the, the Boo fighters and the Phantom Menace uh, fighters. Period. In that. Reminded me of the old Buck Rogers. Uh, yeah, very, yeah, very much so. Movies and stuff. Yeah, so. and maybe there's an inspiration here and we just don't know it yet. You know so. what I mean? And we may be looking for it. I, I, I do know, like, coming up, because we've seen some of the, the preview aspects for the future episodes, that there's yeah. a guy who was a member of the Empire right. who flies a modified TIE fighter. That yep. ship is going to be familiar and different at the same time. We haven't sure. seen that yet. Yep. And we haven't seen much of the other racers' ships. So I'm interested in seeing the designs, because I think those, those are going to be unique to each person. So what do you guys think of the girl that he was flying against, Kazuto? He was flying against oh, Tora, right, was her name. She's the daughter of the guy who runs the, the guy platform. The guy who runs the platform. What did you think of her? I... Only got a little bit of her. Obviously, I think they're making her annoying on purpose, like overly yeah. confident, and she's the kind of the brat of the, the owner, so she feels like, you know, better than everybody. Right. But at the end where she was glad he didn't die and stuff, I felt like, and the way she was gathered or the way she comes down to visit him, mm-hmm. I wonder if we're going to learn she's part of the resistance. That she's yes. somehow, and she seems to be a little too interested in him as just uh-huh. a newcomer. If it was just an average newcomer, she'd be like, whatever, you know, let him race, let him crash. But she, because he came with Poe, and obviously I think they're aware of that and because she knows the guy who runs the thing, I wonder if we're going to discover that she's, more involved. I, here's the really crazy thing I think is going to happen. I think we're going to find all those pilots that we saw on that screen are all part of the resistance. You don't think any of them will be the uh, informant? I don't think so, no. Okay. I, 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 well, maybe. 
maybe the one we are endeared to the most or something, you know what I mean? But, I mean, I think we're going to find out, surprisingly, they're all somehow related to the, the resistance movement. I re- see, I really hope that by the end of this season, they take up a, like, ten little Indians approach, and that they'll have been eight to ten characters, some pilots, some not, who we've really gotten to know, right? and we realize one of them... Has got to be the one. Has got to be the one. Right. Just like, I remember when Battlestar Galactica goes out, and they're like, who's going to be Asylum? Right, you yeah. Know, with the TV show, because they look like humans, right. and it became a big thing. It's like, oh my god, someone I really care about might be a Cylon. Right. I hope they take that approach with the first season, because I think that'd be a great way to build tension yep. throughout the season and interest. And momentum, and too, momentum. throughout the show. Yeah. So, okay, this is obviously the first episode. We don't know everybody yet. Out of what you've seen, who do you think is the the bad guy now? The informant or whatever. <laughs> Uh, see, part of me wants to lean towards the barkeep who does the betting. Okay. You know, it seems like she'd be the one who would have a lot of contact. You know, she'd get all the information. She's like a central point for information. You want someone who hears everything. She hears it all in the bar. Then part of me wants to lean towards Niku. <laughs> and be, but I don't see how he could, unless it's an act, unless it's a personality he's playing. And at the end, he drops it. Damn and you're it. just like, <gasps> you just beat me to. I, I had two. I, Niku was my my first right. guess. Is that who the mate who, you know, like I said, the least ex- suspecting person, right? That you would think. The other crazy one is why not drop a weird one like Bucket, <laughs> right? Like, right? He said, why not have the droid? It's yeah. almost like a BB nine E kind of, you know, where he's been spying the whole time, yeah. and they think it's you know some person, and they find out no, it's a droid all this time. That I thought that it, it could be an interesting spin, yeah. We don't know much about Bucket, at least not yet. Which one do you think maybe could potentially be? Jaeger. You think Jaeger is? That'd be interesting if it was That would contact, be interesting, yeah. too, especially since Poe went right to him, you know. And, and this then... is what I hope they do. Keep this mystery alive. Right, throw yeah. clues. Throw red herrings. Keep us guessing. Because this will keep us really interested. We'll right. all talk about this stuff. Podcasts right. everywhere will debate it right. and try and guess who the heck the, <laughs> the informant is. Don't make it just a side story that just ends up happening. Yeah. My, my, my reasoning is the Hansel, Lando Calrissian. Uh, yeah. Oh, I get The it. guy who turns against the yeah. Where he has to get to inform for the First Order because they have something on him. Yeah. Right. Right. They have no other option. Right. Right. Huh. Okay, so what did you guys think about this episode? We'll rate all of these episodes like we did with all the Clone Wars and all of the Rebels episodes. Of course, zeros that don't bother, tens a must-see. Anybody want to go first with this one? I'll go. Okay, Eric, what because do you want to Because I'm going to do – I'm going to rate a couple individual parts and then an overall rating. Okay. So first off, action, blocking type stuff. I'm going to give that like an eight Okay. because the flights felt great. Yeah. You know, the movement felt good and the camera work was awesome. Characters – I'm going to be about a six okay? because I don't know them yet. Some right. are annoying. Some look like they could fall into tropes, but there was a lot of good humor and I did like some of the stuff they were setting up. Okay. Story, like a seven to an eight because right. I like the idea if this becomes a mystery. Okay. Overall, yeah. you kind of combine those, it drops me right in at about a seven to seven and a half, somewhere in that area. Okay. It's only a first episode. I definitely am more on the positive side because I, I, I want to see the next episode. So they got me. Right. You know, I'm a little hooked. But if it doesn't go anywhere, they'll lose me quick. So it really is a nice setup. Can they maintain it? I don't know, but I'll give it a seven. All right. Gary, what do you think? I'll go middle line five. Five? Okay. Well, he, he couldn't keep him awake. Yeah. <laughs> it, it couldn't keep my interest. So therefore, just. I, mean, I still think that was because it was too talky. Yeah. Those long talk scenes where they got the idea across in the first minute of it, and they said, we're going to go another minute and a half. No, you don't need it. You know, they went overboard. And I think that's what 
Yeah. Just slowed it down. Okay. So, um, a five. Okay, five for you. Uh, I actually, I'm going to give this one an eight. I'm probably the highest one of all of us. N- only because I think, like, when you look at the, when you go back and you look at, and I've looked at them this week, the setup of Clone Wars, the first episode. I'm not talking about the movie. Got to set that aside for a minute. Look at the first episode. The first episode was kind of long and drawn out for Clone Wars. I got to be honest. It's really, now that I've gone back and watched again, it's like, wow, how did I watch that and go, that was amazing. And then Rebels was even worse. Like, it was like, wow, what? This took forever. This episode, I actually kind of felt like time went by quicker than yeah. I thought. Like, I looked at the clock. I'm like, oh, we just watched a half hour of an episode. I didn't realize it was an hour-long episode, so I apologize. I didn't tell oh, you guys that. Fine. I didn't know it either. But then I was like, oh, we're halfway through this thing, and we still got another half hour to go. Like, you knew there was more story coming. But it seemed to fly, where I didn't ever feel like that with Rebels or Clone Wars. It was very rare that the time would fly by. So it was kind of like that, would, to me, was kind of cool. There are some, you know, some things that, you know, they're still working on. They don't have me totally hooked in. But, like, part of me is like, I agree with you, Eric. Like, I can't wait to watch episode two. Where's this going to go? What what's Where are we heading with this? Like, what's our point? What's our goal? What's our overall stance on it? So it's, you know, it it's, I think it might be an interesting show. I think we're going to see one of two things happen with Star Wars fans. And we'll have to see how this plays out. I think you're, they're either going to be huge fans of it, like, love the show, going to follow every episode. Or it's gonna be somebody that's like, I hate it. It's too campy. I can't stand it. And then they're right. not even gonna watch. And it I, it, I never got the sense that it was. It felt Star Warsy to me. It had humor. Yep. And it, yeah, they're playing up the fish out of water story heavy with the with the lead character. Sure. You know, it's very much that until he finds his groove. Right. And yeah, give me, I'll I'll, ha- I'll handle that for three episodes. Sure. If after the third episode he's still the bumbling. Oh, I keep making mistakes and whatever. I'm going to be like, this, anyone would start finding their groove. The they make some friends. <laughs> yeah. He's got to start working more into the mystery side of things and okay. more of the spy side of things by like episode four. Yeah. So I'll give a couple for him to find, because he hasn't even met all the other people. He'll have personality conflicts, sure. you know, whatever. It's fine. But once we get into all the characters being introduced, I, he's got to find his footing and he can't keep being that character. But let me ask you this. Okay. How well defined were the characters for you in that, you know, we watched four seasons of Rebels, and we still felt like we didn't really know them. And we, you know, yeah, that we got them, and we got what their personality was, but they never seemed to like play off each other really, really well or click as a group. How do you feel that these characters were a defined and b interacted with each other? Uh, I, well, the fact that I can remember his name's Kaz and remember yeah. Jaeger's name and Bucket, and the fact that I'm already remembering the characters says something to me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Niku, you know, he's a little annoying, but I mean, like, like you said, you remember him. I, I don't know. They all, they all made a, an imprint on me and I caught the names and I caught, I, I was able to, able to make those connections. So that says a lot to me. So it tells me that they did something right to get me to remember the characters. I, mm. I, I don't know how you felt, Gary, but that's the way I felt. How did you feel about the characters? For me, it's, it's too early to tell. Okay. So it's just, and like I said, it, it didn't keep my attention. So therefore, they're not doing a good job for me. Okay. Right. See, I feel like, like you said, it's still too early to tell where they're going to go and stuff like that. But at least I felt like I really got everyone's motivations pretty quickly. Yeah. It's like I, I, I felt, I felt that there was. I felt always felt like Ezra was kind of aimless. Yeah. You know, he never really seemed focused to me or or driven. He felt like he was more. 
I didn't feel like they knew what they wanted to do with him. Yeah, it's like they wanted to make him evil early on. Like maybe he could go dark, and they never did anything with it. Then they wanted to make him a training, but then they gave him. At times, they made him really powerful and very Jedi-like, and other times he was just like you know bumbling. He seemed to. They didn't seem to define him well. In this, I think the fact that we're not going to be based any of the characters on a Jedi or Force-based characters that, is a smart is a smart idea. Yep. We had that for two different animated series. If they did it a third time, I think it would have been too much. I think that's one thing I do like about this is it's... it's no Jedi. It, oh, no. And that might happen. We might run into something, but... Yeah. It, it's Star Wars without a war yeah. right now. You're right. Yeah, you're right, Gary. It's more yeah. the lead-up. It's yeah. the build-up. It's the... You know, and that might be before. good. Maybe that's something that's going to help this show. You know, who knows? Yeah. So I, I, I felt like they defined the characters pretty well. You know. Yeah. And I liked some of the interactions. That, I mean, you know, I liked Kaz with Jaeger and the mm-hmm. whole somewhat paternal, but he's really holding himself back because he doesn't want to be a part of things. I liked uh, Niku and Kaz because of the whole. Like that's an instant friendship. You know, it's like you know they're going to be even though he got him in a lot of trouble. He can't be mad at him, and they're gonna. Right. I think they're gonna get along pretty well. So, so I gotta see where they go with the different racer characters. Do you think it's possible this show could answer those gaps between Return of the Jedi and? I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be more for the Mandalorian. Okay, I really do. I think that show because that takes place closer to Return of the Jedi. Yeah, is going to be more about that. This seems like we got Poe in it, and he's almost right. the age. You, I mean, we're only a year or two out from Force Awakens. You're right. So we're we're at that very tail end. They may talk about some stuff, but I feel heavily that the story is going to be about the lead into Force Awakens okay. and the First Order and their build up. I don't feel like they're going to be able to go far enough back to be like. You know, what cool things happened with Luke Skywalker and what right, cool right. things happened with Han Solo and all that. Although, you know, Han Solo is alive right now in this timeline for, right. for Resistance. We could very, And he's out there running piratey stuff. We could very easily run into him, right. you know, in space in his big Hulk cruiser, you know, doing whatever. And right. we could very easily run into some of these characters who were, you know, pre-Force Awakens. Um, so there might be some of their backstory eventually down the road, probably not first season. But I don't think they're going to... I mean, we're not talking Jedi Order. We're not talking sure. the Temple. We're not talking the new school. I don't think we're going to get much of that. I'm just curious what you guys thought about that. Okay, so those were our thoughts on all those subjects before our commercial break. And, of course, Star Wars Resistance Season 1, Episode 1. We'd love to hear from you. Head on over to our website. Check us out. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube because, yes, we're there as well. And as we always like to say here in the Star Production Studios, may, may the, the Force be with those who listen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line, You failed for the last time. And look for the GalaxyCast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.